Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Would you like to stand with me this morning, church, while we figure out the rest? And apologies for those on the live stream because they won't be able to hear me no matter how loud I shout. Um, oh, there I am. Wonderful. Or, or not, depending on your opinion. <laughs> it's lovely to see you here this morning, church, and great to be able to gather as a church as we worship God and, and learn of his goodness and his grace this morning. Um, just to help you a little bit, obviously um, times are changing and we're, um, all the kind of rules and regulations are changing. But to, to recap for you as a church here, we do have a one-way system here in the building. It's up one way and down the other. There's a, that is the entrance only. That is the exit only. We do have a family room available, which is our basement access via the, the back staircase. So if you've got younger children with you, there's loads of great resources down there uh, that you can enjoy and use and uh, you'll still be able to see and hear everything that's happening upstairs here as well. Um, you are, as well, I'm getting accompaniment, um, you are, as well, um, now able to practice the same indoor rules here as you would elsewhere. So two households can be together, or a, if not two households, a maximum of six people, but any bubble like that must still um, socially distance by at least one meter um, from other bubbles. So please do adhere to that. And do please continue to wear your masks unless you have an exemption. We're not able to sing inside. It was nice to sing outside last week, wasn't it? That was really good. Uh, yes. And we're, we're praying that things will change. But we are going to come and worship God right now because God is good. And so I want to encourage you to uh, maybe close your eyes and reflect upon his goodness and his grace this morning. Reflect upon how he has been present with you this week. God has told us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And he told us that in the context of us going to a world in need living out the truths of the gospel and inviting others that they may know God's goodness and grace as well. And so God, we say, would you send us? Lord Jesus, this morning we have the opportunity to, as it were, go in encouragement to one another, whether here in the building or those who are live streaming our service from elsewhere, we have the opportunity to go in encouraging one another, spurring one another on toward love and good works as the word encourages us. When we conclude here, we have the opportunity to go into our world and share your love and your grace. Lord God, that is the context that we would know your presence, your power, Lord God, your love, your work in us. God, be at work in us, we pray. Amen going to come in just a couple of short moments to, to have another song of worship led for us. But for a moment, you're welcome to grab a seat if you'd like to um, here and at home. And um, it's probably quite um, relevant that we've just had a song sung to us about how it is that God just pours out his goodness to us. Is anybody thankful for the overwhelming nature of the love of God this morning? And he just is so good to us, isn't he? 
And he pours out and pours out and pours out and he never runs dry. Does anybody else run dry? Yeah, you don't have to put your hand up if you don't want to, aren't you? We're honest, aren't we? We do find that of ourselves. And so, in fact, just for the next moment or two, I want to consider how it is that we can invest ourselves. On the, um, the last day of the half-term, Friday just gone, um, I picked up my little lad from school, um, and it was a nice day, so I'd gone carrying his little balance bike so that he could, um, well, be pushed by his father home, uh, which is how it goes. Um, but I'd taken him some snacks because uh, my lad, he, he gives it all when he's at school, and we learn early on if you don't approach him with food at the end of the school day, this could go horribly wrong. And, uh, and so there I was, and I think I brought something that wasn't very exciting, maybe an apple or something. Oh, dad. Um, and what I didn't realize was that um, they'd had, I think, a, um, a trainee teacher, I think, in his class who was finishing that day at the end of the term. And so she presumably wanted to curry favor and maybe get herself a full-time role there, had brought sweets in for all of the children. Because, of course, sweets for everybody. You're all asking yourself now, Pastor Greg, why did you not bring sweets for everybody this morning? Um, Next time. Um, And so he comes out and I said, would you like your apple? And and he says, Daddy, look in my bag. And so I open up the bag and there are the sweets. And and so, (laughs) because, you know, hope springs eternal. So I hold the sweets and the apple. I say, son, which one would you like? And... um, but you can see how it went. And so then, what we learned then to do was, we, we learned to practice a little bit of stewardship on the way home. Because I look into my son's eyes, and I see how he would gladly open that bag and throw the lot of them into the back of his throat and enjoy chowing down on this wonder that is Haribo. Um, anybody else? I see a few people nodding their heads like, that is me. Um, We managed to have a few there at the school gate, get on the bike, go a little bit further, have a few more for energy. And and then to go a little bit further, we still had some when we got home. These things are a challenge. They're the simple challenges of parenting, aren't they? You can decide for yourself whether or not daddy snuck any Haribo out of his pocket on the way home as well. Um, It depends on what you know of me, I guess. But this morning, I wanted, with that really silly um, illustration, to talk to you a little bit about stewardship. You'll know as a church, over recent weeks, we've been talking an awful lot of how we can invest ourselves in uh, the life of our church, in one another, in helping and blessing those who have need within the church as well, but also within our ministry here in this locality and how it is that we share the good news of new life in Christ Jesus with those around us. In the Bible, in 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're not God. There's the revelation for you today. (laughs) We're limited. We're finite people. But God has still blessed us with the various means of his grace in our lives. And what he asks us to do is to steward that well for his good purposes, to steward our time, to steward our energy, to steward our investment, to steward our priorities, to steward our love, our service, and our finance, and to steward all of these things in ways such that we can be the blessing God calls us to be here in this church and in the world at large. And just for a moment or two, because I know over recent months it's gotten a little confusing, but I just want to take a moment or two to, to, to just explain to you how it is that you can steward in your financial giving in this church. Of course, we no longer pass a plate or a bucket one to another. Um, these things have, have gone the way of COVID, um, and we don't do those kinds of things. So things have got a little more complicated in various ways, but we want to simply it for you and tell you how it is that you can best steward. Oh, thank you, Berenice. Um, I'm getting pictures coming up behind me. You're able to give via mobile or online giving. So as these kind of images scroll through, you can see how it is that you can use your mobile phone to give. And once you've punched in some of your details, it will remember them again to make it simpler the next time. So you can give via mobile giving on our website. The same payment processor is there if you wanted to give via um, an online donation that way. 
We do also have app giving, which Elim, our denomination, has made available to us via a service called Gift. Um, but I want to just say for a moment, those two, they're very simple, they're very user-friendly, and they're very great for that, but you do have to pay for the privilege. And I, I wanted you to be aware that whenever you give in those methodologies, there is a little payment processing fee. And for the app, in fact, the payment processing fee is higher still. So what I actually wanted to say to you in terms of stewardship is, I know that when you give as, as Christians and as members of the church, you're doing so in a very considered manner. And you're doing so in a very generous manner. And so I want you to be aware that the simplest way and the way which costs you nothing, nothing at all, does anybody like things that are free? Yeah, you're still hopeful that I'm going to throw out Haribo, aren't you, at some point? It's not going to happen. Let it go. Um, but the simplest way is to actually set up an old-fashioned standing order or to make a direct bank transfer from your own bank account. It costs you nothing. And it is incredibly simple. And if you wish to, you can set up a standing order and then you can largely forget about it, except that you ask God to bless your giving. Janet, who is our finance officer in the church, she's going to be at the rear of the church as we close. And she's going to have some details there that you can take away with you if you wish to set up that kind of regular giving. The other things are available to you if you just love your technology. You're welcome to use them, uh, but they will cost you that little bit extra. So we wanted to make sure that you're aware of these things so that you can steward your investment well. Would you stand again with me, church? I appreciate you letting me share that with you just for a few short moments. But what I would love for us to do right now is to consider these things. Yes, to consider our financial giving, how it is we're giving generously to the church so that those who have need can have their need met so that we can serve God's purposes as a body of faith and, and we can do good in the world. Consider your financial giving. Consider also your investment of your life. You know, we've been through an awful lot this year, some more than others, but everyone's been through a great deal, and we're going to talk about it a bit later, but lots of people have learned lots of things. Priorities have been reshaped and reordered. The value and the worth of our life and the time that we have here on this planet seems so precious to us. And just for a moment, maybe you'd Close your eyes again if you're happy to do that, bow your head or reflect upon what is it that God has given to you? What goodnesses of his grace are in your life, in your hands? What do you hold that is so precious because of God's work in your life? How is it that you're going to treasure these things in the days, the weeks, the months ahead? God wants to help you with this because he loves you, because he is the, good, the, the giver of every good and perfect gift. And he wants to help you. So God, I pray for all of these wonderful people here gathered and viewing online, that Jesus, you would help us to really value the things that you have given to us, to know that you are with us as we steward things well, as we care for what you have given to us. And God, that you are enabling us to be courageous and compassionate as we serve your purposes. Thank you for these things. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer this morning is that we would get to know your promises. That Lord Jesus Christ, we would be people who understand the love and the salvation and the healing and the hope that you speak over us. And that God, this day, which to us, it's a, it's a day of Sabbath, it's a day of rest, and it's a day of resting ourselves in you, that Lord Jesus, this would be a day of taking you at your word and of being satisfied in you. Lord Jesus Christ, would you do that in us? Rest as well in your word to us today, we pray. Rest us in your spirit. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to take your seat? And for the next little while, we are going to rest ourselves, as it were, in the word of God. And um, we're going to be talking under the heading of, of lockdown lessons. And next week, 
We're going to be beginning a short series um, in the Word of God from, from a book in the Bible called Nehemiah. And if you know a bit about the Bible, you know it's a book about rebuilding, of taking what is broken, taking what is full of sorrow, taking what is uh, of things of vulnerability, in fact, and through worship and the pursuit of God, building back better. So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next uh, few weeks, building back better. And, and that begins uh, over the next weeks. But, but this morning, and, and some of you um, will know this already, but I invited folks who are part of our church to contribute um, via a little uh, Google form that I put together under the heading of lockdown lessons. I really wanted to learn from as many people as possible, uh, the good, the bad, and the other um, about our lives and our experiences. Some of the, the phrases that we've become familiar with over this past year, they're almost cliche, but some of them can be true, can't they? That whilst we've all been through the same storm, still going through some of it to some extent, oftentimes it's said, well, but we've been in different boats. And our own individual experiences of circumstances and trials and troubles over this past year have been different. So I do really appreciate uh, the, the input and the feedback I've had from so many members of the church. But as well as learning from you, and it, it's good that we should learn from one another, I've really sought to learn from the Bible as well. How it is that the Bible speaks into our lockdown situations. It speaks into our moments of trouble. It speaks into the times when we would do anything to be anywhere else or, or when we, we totally long for things to be turned upside down or made new. The Bible's got something to say about times like that. As well as the, the lockdown lessons that you've shared with me and the scriptures, we also recently spent time with a 24-hour period in the lead-up to Pentecost uh, with times of, of praying, and so many of you contributed into that. And, and some of you have been sharing with me the different things that you felt God was saying, and, and two different people said things that, that really seemed to chime together, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. One person said that really all that they had from God was this sense of, we've been here before. And then another person had a very similar word that was, we're here again, it's time to break the cycle. And there's two words that seem very, very similar. This year has been a year of repetition, hasn't it? The year has been a year for many people of, of monotony, of, of the same four walls. And the same experiences and the same limitations. So look, the truth is, the matter is, our Christian lives can be similar to that as well. And we begin with good intentions and we establish healthy patterns, but routines can become ruts before you know it. And God would say to us, learn the lessons. If you find yourself here again, inquire of me. There's a time for new things. When I've been reading these lockdown lesson surveys that you've been filling in for me, I found myself quite moved by many of the things that have been shared. One recurring refrain that really passed through every single one that I read was, it's about people. It's about people. And people were sharing their, their sorrow for separation from loved ones. Or, or the agonies they were experiencing over the, the suffering and the loss of those around them. The struggles of being alone for some people or, or isolated in different ways. The need for support and encouragement for real friendship and a real church family. The big lesson is it's people. It's about people. Life is about people. And this morning, we're going to consider lockdown lessons from us, from others, from the Bible people who are locked down in devastating ways. The importance of each experience is people and how much we matter, how much you matter, how much they matter. We're going to take a video um, in just one moment, and some of you might recognize it from this past Wednesday, but just before we do, uh, could you turn to someone near you and just say to them, you really matter. Could you do that? And just really encourage somebody right near to you. You really matter. You really count. 
you're really seen and you're really precious. And then could we take that video, please? Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Thank you. It was in um, March 2009, one day early in the morning, Marzi received a phone call from a stranger. He had some question about the car document and asked her to go to the police station. And we didn't know why and what, what was going to happen. Um, but we just prayed together and she left, she went to the police station and I was waiting for Marzia to return from the security police. Suddenly I heard the sound of her with a few others behind the door. Well, I saw her standing there with um, three guards and I was so shocked when they ransacked everywhere and they took both of us with all our belongings like Bibles, Jesus movies into the security police. We had long hours of interrogation. I, I believe it was in the first day that he threatened us to physical torture. In that dark cell in the basement, we just hugged each other. We said goodbye because we thought it was our last day on earth and um, we were so scared. I remember the only thing that we could do um, in that dark cell in those moments was just praying for each other. Uh, we met each other for the first time. It was 2005. And after finishing our theology courses, uh, we both felt that we had the same passion about our country to return to our country and to share this message with our people. That's why even though we knew that how much is dangerous, we decided to go. And we uh, called our pastor, he was in uh, London, and we asked him to send uh, thousands of uh, Bibles. And uh, it wasn't easy for them. And we received uh, those New Testaments and we started our first mission and usually at night we carried about 140 New Testaments in our uh, backpack and put them in the uh, mailboxes. I remember sometimes it was uh, during the winter, we had to walk for long hours, for about eight, nine hours. And after almost three years, uh, we could distribute uh, 20,000 uh, New Testaments. There are some stories, amazing stories, that how God protected us and we could see his miracles. We were distributing Bibles, we were talking to people, and we were having these two house churches in our own apartment. And we knew that it was risky. We spent almost nine months in prison and 14 days we were separated. We were um, staying in solitary confinement. And I can say uh, during those nine months, we had almost about 10 trials, 10 courts. And in each court, the judges our, and our interrogators would threaten us to execution by hanging. And they, they wanted to put pressure on us to deny our faith in Jesus. We didn't have Bible with us, but uh, we learned how to live with the verses uh, of Bible. And every day we were praying and uh, asking God to give us uh, this power to live uh, those verses and to show him through, those, uh, through our behaviors to prisoners. It was um, almost uh, at the nine months that uh, uh, we heard that uh, we have we had many supports from different uh, parts of the world, and because of all these uh, supports, the the government had to release us, unlike their desires. And you know, Marzi mentioned about those Bibles that we were distributing. At that time, we were just praying for those Bibles. We did we didn't know who would get those Bibles, and. I remember uh, it was two years ago, we were in Australia and we were invited to a church. After our speech, um, a couple came up uh, on the stage and then they were, uh, both of them, they were crying and they started to share their stories. They said that um, the wife found one of those Bibles that we put in, the, in their mailboxes and they found the Bible and the whole family came to Christ just by reading that um, New Testament that we put in their mailboxes. Them, they were crying and they started to share their stories. They said that um, the wife found one of those Bibles that we put in, the, in their mailboxes and they found the Bible and the whole family came to Christ just by reading that um, New Testament that we put in their mailboxes. Thank you. I wanted to share you that, that with you this morning, and many of you will recognize it from the Alpha course uh, just this past Wednesday. And um, the Alpha course is incredible. <laughs> the presentations are incredible. The conversations are incredible. I want you to be praying for it and praying for everybody who's attending and all the people who are encountering God in new ways. It really is absolutely wonderful. But th that story, and if you didn't quite pick up on all of it, then let me tell you, it's from two Iranian ladies 
who, uh, because of their faith in God, decided to go back to Iran and devote themselves to getting the good news of new life in Jesus out to people, even though that meant that they found themselves in prison. Nine, <laughs> did, you, did you hear how all of, everything that they went through, all of the trials and, and all of the time, and then finally they heard that because of the groundswell of opinion around the world, they were going to be released. It's an incredible lockdown story, but it makes the points that we're going to make this morning very, very well. It is all about people. It is all about people. Our entire lives and everything that has meaning in this world is about people. And the way that those two devoted themselves to taking the gospel to people and the way that others then invested in their lives so that they might know that God was with them is incredible. How would you react? Would you keep going? If that was your lockdown story, would you keep going? You know, they said that they, everything that was done against them was to try and get them to renounce their faith, to give up. How about us? Would we keep going? During the American Civil War, most of the soldiers at the time, they were issued with single-shot uh, muzzle-loading rifles, if you can kind of think about it, you know the idea. And you would put the, 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 uh, the, the round in and then the, the gunpowder, you'd hammer it down and then the flintlock would make it fire. At the Battle of Gettysburg, at least 27,574 guns were recovered from the battlefield, their owners having fled or died. Incredibly, they found that around 24,000 of them were still loaded. Half of them had been loaded more than once. And they found one, well, this poor guy had apparently loaded his gun 23 times without ever actually shooting it. And what they understood from all of this was evidently the fear or the chaos or the trouble of the battle deafened or confused them. And they just kept on loading it. Or having loaded it once, they just threw it down. Their only means of protecting themselves, they threw it down and they just ran away. And when we think about lockdown experiences, when we think about times when trouble come, and I'm not suggesting for a moment we compare ourselves to, to being on an actual battlefield necessarily, and I don't suppose any of us have found ourselves in such tough circumstances as those two Iranian ladies, but when we find ourselves in lockdown times or really tough experiences, there might be some similarities. Fear and chaos sometimes seem like appropriate words for, for parts of our lives, don't they? Maybe you're living with fear and chaos even today. And the question perhaps we're wanting to ask of ourselves is, are we going to cast aside the things that God gives us, as it were, the spiritual weapons that we need in order to be the change we need to see? Will we be overwhelmed? Will we waste our opportunity to make a difference in the hour of someone else's need? It's easy to be overwhelmed. It's easy to be depleted. Here we are, we're sat together, but not too close together. We're distanced, we're masked. We're hearing the songs of our faith, but we're unable to sing. And it can seem as though we're in a strange land, as though we're foreigners in this COVID world. In Psalm 137, verses 1 to 4, that the Bible records God's people who were taken from their own land into the place of exile. And there they were, separated from everything that they knew and they loved. And the psalm records them saying, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion, their, their home. On the willows, there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required of us songs. And our tormentors mirth, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Has anybody thought about that verse over the past year? <laughs> and this morning we began our time together and, and, and Adam and, and Maria and the others, they were, they were singing, sing a little louder. Is there anybody? And inside of you, you're like, I just want to whisper a song. I can't even do that. It can seem so strange and so challenging and so troubling. But look, this is, this is something that the Bible understands and wants to speak into. 
It wants to speak into that, that, those times in our lives where we feel mournful, where everything has changed around about us and we just don't know where our bearings or our moorings are anymore. Maybe you feel it keenly. How can we sing? Not just a practical concern, but a spiritual one. How can your heart sing to God when everything around you is so confusing and painful and when everything inside of you is so confused and painful? There can still be a song of your life in troubled circumstances. There's something that God would say to you and something that God would use you to say that speaks through you, even sing through you. Consider for a moment uh, another Old Testament story in the Bible, that of the man Joseph. And we know his story pretty well, although we're not going to reference his technical dream coat today. But it's the fact that God's hand was upon his life. There were many around him. They couldn't handle their jealousy about that. They couldn't handle the fact that they couldn't have the benefit of Joseph being around without being able to control him or manipulate him. And so much so that his Egyptian boss ends up chucking him in prison on a false charge. Here's another lockdown story from the Bible. In Genesis 39, we read this. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Anybody in prison at the moment? Do you want God to show you steadfast love and give you favor? Because he can do that right in the middle of the prison of your circumstances, of the difficulty of where you are. He can still love you there. He can still show you favor there. The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. I love that. I think maybe the keeper of the prison paid no attention because he was a bit lazy as well. Has anybody ever think that? Probably a bit lazy um, as well as Joseph being in charge. But God was with Joseph and the Bible says whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. The Lord was with him. God's not phased by being in a prison. He wasn't phased by being in prison with those two Iranian ladies. He's not going to be phased by being in the prison of your circumstances. He's not going to be phased by being in the prison of, of the trouble that you're having in your home life at the moment. He's not going to be phased by the trouble that you're having in your work life at the moment. He's not going to be phased by the prison that you're feeling because of your financial situation. He's not going to be phased by the prison that you're feeling because of your health situation. He's not phased by the trouble that you're feeling because of the, the troubles and the pains that have so gathered around you that you just can't see any way out. God wants to be with you there. We fool ourselves into thinking that God's just about, when, when we get everything sorted and put everything together and then we can come to God and talk about how good he is. God wants to be with you in the worst moment of your life. Do you know that? I think many of us are not convinced. Somehow we've bought a lie that we need to get it all together before we can have a chat with God. God says, I want to be with you in the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst. That's where I want to be with you, in your prison circumstances. And there he was with Joseph, granting him favor, showing him love. You know, the same God of the day you first met him, of that time you felt on top of the world as you worshipped him, when you served God's purposes and saw lives changed around you, he is the same God today. He has been through this past year with you, though you may have lost the sight of that. He is the same. He loves you just the same. He wants to show his love to those around you just the same. God loves you in the prison that you find yourself in today. He is with you in the troubles and agonies of today. Can you hear him calling to you in the sufferings of your life? And God worked the circumstances together for Joseph so that he wasn't forgotten forever. 
He was remembered, restored, and he became the man of restoration for so many more. God can and does do the same thing today. He doesn't change, but we often need to. I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you feel a little forgotten. You feel a little overlooked. You feel as though nobody's really paying attention to your suffering or your sorrow. God hasn't forgotten you. Maybe you've been doing everything right. Maybe you're like, I just don't know why this trouble has come to my door, to my heart, to my family, to my life. Why? Joseph, there he was in prison, and he was doing everything well. The keeper of the prison didn't have to do a thing because Joseph was doing everything right. God even worked through Joseph so that he could interpret the dreams of some significant characters there in the prison. And they, one of them got restored back into the, the palace of Pharaoh. Did he remember Joseph? No. <laughs> Not at all. He totally forgot him. And maybe you feel just that forgotten. Maybe you feel left languishing in your suffering or your sorrow. Yet God worked all the circumstances together so that at just the right time, Joseph would know he wasn't forgotten. God sprung him from that prison. God had more things for him. He had a brighter day a bigger future. God was going to work through Joseph, not only to bring restoration to him, but to all those around him. God wants to do that with us today. God doesn't change, but we often need to. I read this week about a story, and apparently it's quite a well-known thing in the States, but they they used to have a a sports show, like a magazine show. Do you remember Grandstand? Does anyone remember Grandstand? Those were the days, weren't they? Uh, Bring back Grandstand. Uh, But they used to have one a bit like that in the States, and and they used to illustrate, like they they would have like a moment of failure or the agonies of defeat. And when they would illustrate that, they would show this same little bit of footage every single week, and it was of a ski jumper. And, um, and you would see the ski jumper going down. Ski jumpers have got to be a bit crazy, haven't they? There's something not quite right there, isn't there? You just, who would fling themselves off? Well, anyhow. But you would see the ski jumper going down this enormous ski jump. But then halfway down, you would see him dramatically veer off to the side and tumble off the side of the ski jump, hitting a few bits of the structure on the way down and then landing in a heap at the bottom. And they would illustrate the agonies of defeat in that way. Don't worry, I can see a few of you look worried. Apparently, he had nothing more than a bit of a headache at the end of that, so don't worry. But the story actually went like this. The ski jumper was really experienced, and as he's going down the ski jump, he realized that because of atmospheric conditions, it was way too fast. And he knew that if he completed his jump, he would totally missed the safe sloping uh, area of landing and he would land on the flat area beyond and he would possibly lose his life there and maybe injure a bunch of other people away uh, on the way so he chose something that looked absolutely strange and caused him great difficulty he chose it so that actually his life and the lives of others would be saved that's an interesting story isn't it I think many of us in our lives, we've kind of gotten into those ruts and routines and we're doing what we're used to, ski jumping as it were. The circumstances have changed, but we aren't so willing to change in response to that. Many of us, in fact, we're hurtling down the ski jump and the outcome is not going to be so good. And God is actually calling you to do something that to every onlooker would look absolutely crazy. He's calling you to change your life, to change direction so radically. And it might be somewhat painful along the way. But he's calling you to do that and it is the only means of hope for you and for those around you. God doesn't change. He still meets with us in our prison experiences. He still loves us. He still heals. He still does good things. But we need to change. Maybe this past year you feel like you've tumbled off the side of a ski slope. Maybe you feel like you've got a permanent headache to prove it. Just because we, we understand the purposes of God, just because we know that he's with us in our prison experiences, he will bring us through. It doesn't mean that the Christian life is a bed of roses. 
I know perhaps many of us, we just want to keep our heads down going forward. We certainly need to spend ample time in Jesus, in his restoration and grace. But you know, Christ's love, it also actively compels us. It moves us into what is to come. In the book of Acts, which we've been considering over recent weeks as part of our invited series, loads of people get locked up. It, you know, it's like they, we could call it just the book of the prison. People get locked up all the time in the book of Acts for the sake of the gospel because they love people around them with the good news of Jesus and they're not willing to be quiet about it. In Acts chapter 5, there's, there's this instance of, 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 well, really them all getting locked up. And, and there we're told that the, the, the priests at the time were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. That's life with a capital L. It's like new life, God's life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. They were locked down like those amazing Iranian women we saw, and yet they were present with their God. They were invested in one another. And then when they were spectacularly set free, they went and did it all again. They went and did it all again. It wasn't a one-time thing. Acts chapter 12 records Peter again. He's imprisoned by these malevolent authorities, and he's released again by God's supernatural intervention. And he heads back to his family of faith, even though they're really confused about it. Acts chapter 16 records Paul and Silas. They're in prison for the sake of the gospel. And as they prayed and they worshiped God, even in the middle of their storm. Did you enjoy singing that as we began our gathering this morning? We can sing in the middle of the storm. And they did exactly that. They were in the prison of their circumstances, but they sang and God met them there. It was an earthquake. The prison basically fell apart all around them, and there they were set free. God was their hope in the prison of life. Even at the end of the book of Acts, as we saw last week, Paul is under house arrest in Rome, and he's, he's, he's putting on dinners, it seems, and inviting people to come so that they can hear the good news of new life in Jesus. Church, it's about people. It's about people. Your life is about people. It's not about anything else. And the prisons of, of, of life will come about if you invest yourself in people. They'll come about anyway. But they're going to come about if you invest yourself in people. But it really matters to love people as God loved us. To give our all one for another. About spending time with one another. Caring and sharing Jesus. Taking the love of Jesus to all the precious people we ever see. You know, as I read the, the letters that, that Paul and Peter and others in the New Testament, they wrote, they are littered with the names of people. They're absolutely stuffed with the names of people, the people they served with and, and, and were so encouraged by, the people that they were loving, the people that they wanted to, to take this good news to. It was all about people. This past year, many, much of the, the story has been around technology, hasn't it? It's been around how, as a church, you know, we've been able to, to live stream our services. We've all learned how to Zoom. Well, almost all of us have learned how to Zoom. And we, we kind of got all of these kind of technologies and ways of connecting with one another. Did you know Paul had technology in the first century AD? They had Roman roads. That was an innovation. The world had never seen the like of them before, but it meant you could travel vast distances. There were technologies in maritime travel. There were technologies in the postal service. There was a thing called the Pax Romana that meant that a Roman citizen like Paul could travel anywhere freely and at liberty and at peace. Does Paul mention any of those things in his letters? Not a one of them. He talks about people. He goes to prison for people. He meets people in their prisons. He sets people free in the love of Jesus Christ because it is about people. This is the one and singular most important lesson that you could possibly learn. Your life is about people. Your life is about people. 
It is not and has never been about achieving academic qualifications or about getting that job or about earning that amount or about having that house or about going on those holidays or about doing those things. Your life has never been about those things. They are all tools so that your life might be about people. And if God places those things in your hand, then so be it. Invest in them. Do well with them. But your life is about people. The whole Bible makes this point, and I don't think we've really got it yet. God says to us that he so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Are you in prison today? Are you suffering? Are you struggling? God wants to meet you in your prison. I wonder, would you pray with me this morning? I want to pray with you if that's okay. God is all about people. And that means you and your loved ones. And it means you in the prisons of this past year or the prison of your moment right now. God loves you. This morning, I want to offer prayer in a few ways, if I may. It may be this morning that you, you find yourself, your family, your loved ones, you're in a particular prison. You're suffering, you're struggling, and it seems dark, and it seems like there's no hope. Maybe you feel like God's forgotten you. He hasn't. It's all well and good for me to say that, but God actually would love to meet with you this morning. And if that's you this morning, can I ask you to do something? Might feel a little strange or a little courageous, but while heads are bowed and eyes are closed around the room this morning, I would love for you, if, you, if this is you, you're in in one of those kinds of prisons just to reach a hand out up to God as it were and lift a hand where you are and say God would you meet me would you meet me in my prison this morning would you meet me in my suffering this morning would you meet me in my struggle this morning would you set me free and set my loved ones free if that's you this morning would you just reach a hand up I'll see those hands and I want to pray with you and pray for you. I can see quite a few hands around the room. Is there anybody else? And if you're struggling in a prison of this world and this life, you just lift your hand and I'll pray with you. Lord Jesus Christ, I see quite a few hands around this room and I don't know all of their stories or all of their struggles. Maybe for some it's a health need for them or a loved one. Maybe it's for a family need or a financial need or something similar. Lord God, would you meet with them this morning? Lord Jesus Christ, would you meet with them this morning? I pray, dear God, they would know your presence with them right now. They are not forgotten. God, I pray that they would know how precious they are to you. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this morning that you would begin to heal and restore and make new. Lord Jesus, would you bind up broken hearts and make them new? Would you provide for those who have incredible need Lord Jesus Christ would you be present with your people in their prisons and would you set them free this morning there's a very particular prison that the Bible speaks about and it's the prison of our separation from God just as I shared before that God loved us so much he 
came that we might believe in him, that we might have a relationship with him and be made new. God wants to help us to know that truth today. In a moment or two, we're going to have our closing song. And, and I'm going to come just down the front of the church here. And if you know that you're separated from God, that you're distant from him, then he wants to set you free of that prison today so that you can be close to God and know what it is for him to be close to you. And if that's you, just as we're being led in this closing song, I would love for you to come and meet with me here at the front of the church. And we can talk and we can pray and know that God can set us free from every prison. If you'd like to, you're welcome to stand here and at home. We're going to be led in this song. As we consider how it is that God sets us free, can I invite you to consider, if you're a follower of Jesus, how it is that you're going to go about helping others to be set free? How are you going to be setting others free? I read a quote this week from Nelson Mandela, and he basically said that the, the, the essence or the quality of a society can be found in the way that it treats those in prison. He said, it's not how it regards the highest of the high, but how it regards the lowest of the low. I thought there's some wisdom in that. The essence of a church isn't to be reg- in, in how it treats those who have got it all together and everything's going fine and dandy. The nature of a church can be seen in how it goes to those who are in prison, who those who are in need, those who are suffering. Church, ask yourself as we close, how will you take up that mandate from God? I'm going to be down here at the front. And if you want to be free from the prison of separation from God and get close to him this morning, and come and we'll pray. Thank you. Once again, it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning. And uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives, we can go and have wonderful weeks with him. Just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week. We as a church, we don't just gather, but we get going into what God has for us together. And we have these things called transform communities. We would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world. So again, hit us up, get in touch. We'd love to help you to connect. Anything that you need, any prayer requests, do let us know. And we'll love to see you again this time next week. God bless you and bye for now.